The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Kelly O'Hara is an Olympic champion football player from the United States. She played every minute of every game as the US team took Olympic gold at London 2012. She's won two World Cups, one in 2015 and the other in 2019. And Kelly has thought long and hard about what makes a team player and the mentality behind winning. She hosts her own podcast, which is great. And it's an absolute pleasure to have her with us today. Kelly, hello. It is 2020. So, you know, first things first, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm great. Um, it feels bad to say, like, I'm good, you know, just because of everything that's happening in the world, everything that everyone's having to deal with. But I try to make the most of, you know, whatever's thrown at me. And I've, I'm pretty good, you know, just chugging along trying to make the most of it so yeah it, it could be it could be a lot better maybe but it's it could be a lot worse I guess I just try to keep that perspective on things so obviously this is the Olympic Channel podcast and so we should talk about the Olympics and uh, America has had a bit of a rough ride recently but one thing America is really good at we can all agree is the television and <laughs> One thing that's on the television is the Olympics. It so is. I wanted to ask you, like, what was your first kind of memory of watching the Olympics on, on TV? Yeah, my first memory of watching the Olympics on TV is my first memory of watching, I think, really sports on TV, or at least what I remember. And it was the 1996 Olympics, which is funny because they were happening in Atlanta. And I grew up south of Atlanta in a little suburb um, called Peachtree City. So I very well could have been at those games watching them in person, but didn't go to one event. My parents didn't take me to anything. They went up for like one night, They're like oh, all the people, it's going to be crazy. It's not worth it. We can watch from our, from our living room. And looking back now, I'm like, mom and dad, the Olympics were in our backyard and we didn't go. It's crazy to me. I probably wouldn't have been that excited though as a kid because I wasn't that into the like the the like glam of professional sports. Um, I just like playing outside and just playing sports for fun. But I remember watching the women's gymnastic team, gymnastics team for the USA and that was a team that like won all these medals. Carrie Strug, you know, hurt her ankle on the vault and then came back and did it. And that was my first memory of female athletes on TV, on TV and like competing for their country. So, and I remember watching as a kid and being like, oh, I want to do that. That'd be so cool to be, you know, representing your, your country on TV as an athlete. And not even knowing what it would be in, but um, yeah, that's my that is my first Olympic memory, and it kind of like started. I, I feel like that was kind of my that was the start of everything. Maybe, maybe it planted a seed in my head for sure. We we don't know now the effect of kind of social media and the rest of it and Instagram is going to have 
a similar effect, I think, on people growing up today. You know, like like female sport is now not this thing that's kind of on every four years and it's just given this, and hey, gymnastics is on, oh, bye. You know, now it's like, there's things happening all the time. If you're really into something, you can be super into it. You know, that for has sure. good and bad points. Yeah, but no, But I sure. think we're going to see the fruits of that, you know, bore out in the next kind of 10, 15 years, maybe. I hope so. I mean, I think that's a positive way to look at social media because there's a lot of negatives that you could focus on. But I agree. I think that, that is, social media gives access to athletes that sometimes a lot of, a lot of times the media doesn't do in terms of covering them. Um, like you said, in the past, it's been every four years, you see swimming, you see gymnastics, you see track and field, but these sports are going on all the time. And the fact that younger athletes can follow these people consistently, I think will hopefully create a better future for all sports, um, and especially women's sports. From that moment where you were, you were watching that as a little girl to being on the plane, London 2012, that's exciting, right? With all your yeah. your 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 friends as well. <laughs> like that's what's so great about being in a soccer team. It's like a yeah. team. It's awesome. Yes. yes. Yeah. So um, how was like London 2012? You played every minute. Give it to me. What was it like? Oh man, 2012. Um, that was a little girls. My my little child Kelly dream come true. And it was crazy because I was super young then. Like it was my third or maybe my third year really with the national team and out of college and um, not even, I guess, second year. But I was so, one, I was playing a new position. So I was like stressed over that. And two, you know, we had some players on our team that I knew it was probably going to be their last Olympics and who had been on the team for so long and won so many things and were these legends. And I was the one, you know, uh, one of them starting now and the was shouldering the weight of like, okay, you're contributing to winning this tournament. Don't mess it up for these older players. Like that is, that was a very real feeling the whole time for me. Um, and and then on top of it, obviously, the excitement of being part of Team USA and being at the Olympics, it was just, I mean, I'd, I'd been to the World Cup the year before, but really didn't have the same role that I did in the Olympics at all. Um, but yeah, the Olympics was, 2012 was pretty amazing. And to win, it was just, it was, oh, it was so cool. I, yeah, I love it. It was awesome. <laughs> so it was weird. I lived in London and... Uh... It was, everyone was kind of going on before. I mean, God bless the British media, you know, beforehand. It was like, it will be doomsday. You will well, not be able to get around. Well, it's going to be awful. The media does that about every single Olympics. It was like doomsday before 2012, doomsday before 2016. It's like the media has to have something to just harp on that's going to go wrong about the Olympics. And granted, a lot of things do sometimes go wrong, but both times, both Olympics I've gone to, I'm like, hats off to the host country slash city. They've done a good job. But yeah, you're right. It was, it was fine. It was very hard. There was a lot of traffic, to be fair. I, I mean, for me, it was an absolute dream. Like there was way less traffic on oh, London really? 2012. Yeah. Oh, and, and everyone emptied out of the, mid, the middle of London. Okay. So I was going to like all my favorite spots. It was sunny. <laughs> Britain yeah. kept winning. 
That's I've got to admit, that was the first time that I really got into women's soccer as a thing. Yeah. You know, I've watched football my entire life. And and like that was the moment for me where I just started watching it properly, you know? Like Was it because it was in England? I think it was what a mixture was? of that. I think it was a mixture of you guys as well. Like I, I'd started to latch on. I knew a few of the players. I'd started to latch on to, you know, like the league in England had started to be good. Wait, you know, so are consistent. you are you a fan of the US women's national team or the English women's national like team? Because yeah, I like can't good. tell right now. I feel like you might be a fan of us. This is an interesting question. <laughs> Kelly, I'm a journalist, so okay. I, I, you know, so you're I, just you're just objective at all times. I'm an object. I'm a I'm a object. I like winning. I'm gonna say you say. Who doesn't? Am I allowed to say that? Probably not. <laughs> no. I mean, I, in, in all seriousness, I'm a massive. I respect hugely the work that you guys have done and the discipline that it's taken and the honesty that you've all shown um, to yourselves and each other in order to get where you've got you've not just won you've won in style and that that's that's special and i have a lot of respect for that oh thank you anyway let's talk about 2016 okay (laughs) not as enjoyable as 2012 unfortunately still haunts me to this day dalquist wins it for sweden it is a huge upset and that entire tournament has been opened up by this departure of the United States. It was a shock, right? Yes. I thought it would be hard, but you'd do it. Yes, same. I thought the same thing. That was not the case. Um, yeah, that was that was a bit of a rough experience. If I'm being honest, 2016, I said, you know, like Rio, Brazil did a great job of putting on the Olympics, the Olympics, my personal experience, the Olympics, I was like, had a cold half the time was just not feeling good. We were all over the place. It just, you know, it's, it was hot. We were in the Amazon at one point. I'm pretty sure it's just, it was just, um, it wasn't 2012 and we were coming off of winning the world cup the, the summer before, um, we had a handful of players retire after that. The roster's smaller. You know, there's there's a lot of things that went into 2016, but I think ultimately we were just like all probably gassed from from everything that happened, you know, the lead up to 2015 winning and then post. It's just the it's a, as as amazing as it is, it's a grind too. So, um I think that we just we weren't able to to do it, to get it done. And, and that, that experience taught me how, how just precarious major tournaments are like you can lose in the blink of an eye and it's all over and something you've waited four years to achieve is no longer a possibility. And that I think really shaped my mentality and approach to 2019 because you realize like, it's not, you know, we had, we'd won the summer before. So I think a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, you're a shoe and you're going to be in the final, you're going to contest for a gold medal, but it's not, that's not the case. Like <laughs> these, these wins, you know, winning, a winning a world cup or an Olympics is 
is a lot of hard work and it's, it's every single second leading up to that moment and you can't take it for granted. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely will not forget that, but for bad reasons. So you won the world cup in 2015 and 2019. I want to talk about 2015 though. And, and because on the one hand you've got success and on the other hand, you've got not playing every minute. How hard or easy do you find it to see your friends kind of succeed mm-hmm. without you? You know, yeah. like uh, this is a, it's a feeling. Well, being on a team, isn't it? And for and sure, like for how sure. how did you feel in that moment? Twenty fifteen was that the turn the, I mean, leading up to it, and then the actual tournament was one of the hardest parts or time frames of my career as a professional soccer player as a soccer player amateur professional whatever you want to call it together um because i knew that i was at a point where i had so much to offer and um i had learned my lessons from 2011 when i when i did come off of the bench in a game and did play terribly and then obviously you know played every minute of every game in 2012 so I felt confident and I felt ready to contribute. And I, I knew I had something to give to the team um, on the field during games, but I didn't, I wasn't seeing, I wasn't getting put in. I wasn't starting. I wasn't, I didn't touch the field. And that was super hard to handle as, as a footballer, you know, it's just like, you're, you're at this moment in your career that every dreams of being at a world cup as a player, but then you're not playing the tournament as you dreamt you would contributing, you know, on the field, that sort of thing. So I was, I struggled a lot with it internally. And, but what I tried to do and what I knew I had to do was at the end of the day, whether you step on the field or you don't all 23 players contribute to winning. Like there's no other way, like you cannot tell me any other way because I've been there. I've seen it. I know I've played so many different roles during so many different tournaments that every single player from the number one starter to the the last person that's going to see the field contributes to the team's success. And I knew that I, regardless of whatever role I had found myself in, which at the beginning of the tournament was a bench player and a training player, I was like, I'm going to play this role to the best of my ability. Cause that's all I can do. You know, I have no other choice, but to just do this as well as I possibly can, even though I wish I was doing something else, I can do this and this can help the team. And this can potentially get us to a world, a world cup that we haven't seen in years as a, as a country. So I had to, it took me a while to like get to a place where I was so bought into this idea of playing every practice like it was the world cup final and i did that because i was like i don't want to be in the position in 2011 when i got thrown into a game because i didn't think i was going to go in at all and i was caught off guard and i wasn't ready i want to be ready so that if my name does get called i'm performing where the team needs me to perform and where i want to be performing so i just attacked every session like it was the final and it eventually paid off. You know, Jill saw that 
that fire and was looking for a player that that had that come the quarterfinals when we you know there was there's was yellow card suspensions with Pino and Cheney and they needed to to start some new people and number got called got put in at outside mid instead of outside back and was like all right let's do it and um you know we we went on to win and and I'm so thankful that I that that was my story of 2015, you know, like I could look back and be salty about it, but I'm not at all. I'm, I'm thankful because I feel like it taught me a lot and it taught me the importance from making the most of every situation, controlling what you can control and, and truthfully just being a good teammate, you know, what it takes to be a good teammate. Yeah, it's, 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 it's such a hard lesson to learn. I like that the, I can just imagine like you take, yeah, like taking yourself away, like, come on, man, you've got to be positive about this, even though like the yeah. other half of you is like, I just want to fly. Yeah, and I like had to, I spent a lot of time on walks, like away from the team hotel. Like I would go and read, like I would try to get into nature whenever I could, if it was possible in like the cities that we were in just to, kind of let that be like my time to be upset about it and then when I was around the team to be as positive and as uplifting as I possibly could be um because that's the last thing you need like nobody wants a teammate like that like that's just the last thing you need on a team so um yeah it was it was definitely an experience but um you know it worked out we won a world cup and I'm stoked on that In 2019, I don't want to be like grandiose, but I feel like that was a huge moment for not just women's sport in the USA, but for women's sport global. Agreed. Like it's the ticker tape parade. It's Pino swag. It's the whole team acting as a unit. It's all like the, the, the stars performing when they needed to. Did you set out with that intention as a group or, or what, what was the intention? I mean, the intention was to win. That's, that's our intention every time, obviously. Very, very plainly put. Um, but I think one of the, I mean, obviously we as a team had an insane tournament um, run and then victory and we set out to do what we wanted to do. But what I personally was, what what I enjoyed watching and seeing was that FIFA was finally putting money behind the tournament that they really hadn't done in your years past in terms of an investment financially. And you saw what the return was. You saw these view, the viewership, you saw these, these, the, the number that came out of it and it just was it it goes to show like you're saying it's we're here to stay this is this is worth investing in this is this is just good entertainment like people want to watch this if you if you give them access to it if you allow it if you if you provide the platform and the the you know the space people want to see it and they will so i think that we proved something that we've you know a lot of people have been saying for a long time and that's People want to watch. People people love this. So I I personally really enjoyed seeing that, and it was kind of just like reassurance and and what we've I, we as a team have been you know fighting for 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 a long time. So it was um it was nice. It's really easy to say, and I always thought that I was being authentic. Uh, you know, 
but the older I've become, the, the less I the less I realize I actually was. I was trying to in, impress someone or do something for someone else or, you know, people please or whatever. Really? And the older I've become, I've realized that, you know, I am me. You better get comfortable with that because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and it's actually a big lesson to, well, I found it hard to learn. So seeing all you guys do that, I think, well, it helped me. I'm sure it'll help other people yeah. as well. It's like, we're, we're proud to be who we are. For and sure. And, and in whatever way you want to be that, you know, there's people that are way more outspoken on certain things or, you know, way more public on certain aspects of their life. Um, and then there's other people who are more private. And I think that I appreciate the people who respect that for what it is. And I think that hopefully people take from that that like, there's no specific way you should be whoever you are, you know, like be you, be what's comfortable for you and don't let anybody or anything like pressure you to, to do or be anything differently. It's, uh, it's hard because you've got to also, it's like they're striking this balance between you, you do have to listen, like your coach knows what they're talking about. Like they've been here before. Yeah. You probably should do that core work, yeah. you know, or or like that extra bit of cardio or the sprints or whatever they're saying. But you also do have to be your own person as well. It's like knowing that balance about, you know, it's 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 harder than people than people say. Yeah, and yeah. I think like you said, like you have learned as you've gotten older, it's taking you time to be like, oh, I'm I need to become comfortable with who I am. And I think that it's just like experience and time helps with all things in life. Um, and that can be applied to like personal life, to your professional life, to, you know, like you're saying, oh, the coach wants me to do core work, but like, I know I need to do this. It's like, for me, I have learned what I need to do and it's constantly evolving in terms of like my work on the field, off the field, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that like, it's, I think if you're open to learning and receiving feedback, but then applying it the way that you, that you have learned is the best. What's important. So I think you have got a really good mindset. I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to all your episodes on different other podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I, the reason is, is because I think you've got a good mentality because you can talk about it. You can, um, you have the vocabulary. You know, like to, you actually to want to talk what's about going it. On in my mind. <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you you have. So I wanted to ask you, like, do you think that a, men, a good kind of elite Olympic mentality can be learned, or is it kind of natural? And if it can be learned, kind of where should we start? Mm, great question. <laughs> I I do think it can be learned because I I one of the one of my favorite books is called The Power of Habit. And I actually read it leading into the World Cup this past year. And it like blew my mind. I don't know why. Because, I mean, there's complex subjects that it covers and it explains them very well. But the fact that like we are just habitual creatures. And I think that like a learning or a, a winning mentality can be learned. And I think there are certain things that you're born with but I do think like I was born a competitive person I think I just like popped out the womb and was like I want to beat everybody but I but I also think that there, like with 
being like, oh, I just want to be the best or like, I want to beat everybody comes learning. How do you do that? You know, it's not, you just don't say, oh, I want to, I want to win. And it's like, okay, well, there's, there's steps and there's ways to become a winner, not just like win a game, but like be a winner to your core. And I think those things can be learned. Um, but yeah, so I do think that a winning mentality can be learned. The US team in particular that you're in just seems to have such a good team spirit. Is that the same? Like, can you manufacture a good team spirit mm. or is it all just completely organic? No, you. I think you definitely can manufacture it. And I think that you have to. Like, I don't think you're ever going to have a team of let's say it's a soccer team, 18 plus players that are best friends, get along perfectly, want the same things, think the same way. Like that just doesn't happen. That's not, that's just not real. Um, So you have to work on the environment. You have to, I mean, I don't know if manufacture is the right word or the best word, but you contribute to the culture, to the environment. Every single person does. So it's, it's a constant and, and, you know, that things can get thrown off by certain decisions or expressions, emotions, whatever. Um, So it's a constant doubling down on whatever you want that environment to be. And for me, I think that the national team environment, the U S women's national team environment is an environment that is, built on intensity and excellence. And I actually was thinking about this last camp and it was just, that is who we are. Like that is our DNA as a team, but it's not something that is just a given. It's something that happens every single day on the training pitch, no matter what. And you have to be working, you have to be working to that towards that and committed to it every single day, or it's not going to be it's not, that's not going to be the environment. I'm, I'm going to, I like that. Right. But it's so true. Like it? it's intensity, intensity and it? excellence. Like that is, that is the U S women's national team. And it has been for so long. And that is something that you like, as a rookie, I came in there having the, you know, certain characteristics to be successful but then you learn like no this is an everyday thing this isn't just like you show up you win an olympics like this is working towards this with intensity and excellence every single day and that's the only way that we become who we become that's got me excited i can't wait to start shouting that (laughs) right doesn't that get you fired up but it's true it's true like if if you were in our sessions you would understand because it really is what because I've played on different teams, you know, I've played on different club teams, that sort of thing. And um, different players come into the national team environment, but you, you really do see like over time you come to understand like that is what defines us as a team. I think. You started this podcast. I'm almost a little bit like, Hey, will you be, you've been stealing my guests. Because in fact, there's been a few people on that. I'm like, okay. We can share. We can, we can share. There's room enough for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I think, especially in the podcast world. People Absolutely. have different conversations. But um, I've learned loads from speaking to Olympians. What have you learned from having all these conversations with amazing people? I've learned 
how relatable I think we all are. Like, I think a lot of people look at athletes in there like, you know, are perfect or, you know, super successful, have never had a bad day in their life or whatever. And it's like, no, this is, you know, everybody, whether you're an athlete or you're in the corporate world or you're a student or whatever, whatever you do, we're all human and we're all, you know, you have your goals, you have your aspirations, but it's never a straight line. It's always a constant like striving towards what you want to be. And I think that that is applicable to all walks of life. Um, and I, and I feel like that's what I've, I've enjoyed talking to these athletes because they're, they're just, you know, other humans that, you know, end up being very, very good at a specific sport or discipline, but they still go through the same things that everybody else goes through. And I've liked, I've liked talking about that. And I, and I've enjoyed hearing how they handle the setbacks because I think that's, you know, where you, you learn the most as a human is like how you handle defeat, failure, obstacles, that sort of thing. So hearing, hearing different athletes approaches to that has been pretty cool. I think what it's been really good because you've created like an atmosphere where there's an instant respect because of what have you, you know, who you are, what you represent, what you've won, you know, you're in a good place, but you're not like 55, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm still so doing it. You're I'm still there. Yeah, right. So it's, like- so it's super interesting. And yeah. I think with like, uh, Michaela Schifrin, for example, I never knew that she was in this, like, I, you know, you just expect she's, she performs like almost like robotic, you know, like mm-hmm. bang. But yet she, the warmth that came through in that interview in particular right? and the, the, all the stuff that was going in her head during the Olympics, like what? I know, I know. It's so, it's, that's what I love about it. It's like you get this inside look at these athletes' personality and brains. Um, and I don't feel like that's available really anywhere else, especially in a peer-to-peer athlete-to-athlete conversation because it just is, it's a different feeling. So um, yeah, it's it's been fun. Right. Oh dear, it's nearly holiday time, isn't it? And it is. And that is, that's both great and kind of sad. So I feel like I want to focus on the positive Let's and make it. some good New Year's resolutions. Ooh, okay. So I'm just asking people who clearly have more, they got their things together better than I have about what I should be doing. So what is a good New Year's resolution? Do you have, do you make New Year's resolutions? Do, yeah. And and what should, maybe if we can't think of one personally, maybe we should give one to the world. Like Ooh. what should be the world's resolution? Ooh. I love that. I think I think I'd love to give the world a New Year's resolution of let's all be kind to each other or kinder. Just be just be kind. Be nice. Doesn't it's not it's not hard to be a nice person. And it and it goes a long, long way. <laughs> I think that would be it. I think it's like I don't understand. I nearly got a t shirt printed just just be kind in summer. <laughs> it's like really bad. That's it. That's all it takes. If you, have, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's what my mom always told me. 
If you've got, I also think if you've got something horrible to say, go write it down. Yeah. (laughs) It's absolutely fine. Go write that thing down as much bile as you want, but don't put it on the internet like that or send it to whoever. Yeah. Just write it down. Take a beat. Take a beat. Yeah. Take a second. Take a deep breath. It's all just be nicer to each other. Challenge time. So let's finish off. I mean, this interview, this particular episode of the podcast has been, uh, I've shouted a lot. I know my wife is going to tell me that <laughs> straight away as I work out the door. Like, that poor lady. Does that mean it's a good episode, though, if you shouted a lot? I have no okay. idea. Get, get, All right. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, mate. I don't know. I've had a good time. So, you know, that's all that's that all matters. <laughs> that's all I need. She said it. Uh, so, one word to describe Carly Lloyd. Lethal. Uh, Alex Morgan. Left foot. That's two words, but I think that's hyphenated. She's going to fume. She's like your best friend and all you've got is Well, I don't know. Are we talking on the field? Are we talking as a human? Like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Well, you just went with left foot. Well, I thought we were talking because there were people who played in the final. This is like what I would think of them on the field. And I just used lethal for Carly Lloyd, which Alex is also extremely lethal. And I can't repeat lethal. Therefore, left foot, because I was using an L word and now I just use another L word. Okay, you're not making this easy for me. And I'm gonna take back what I said about this this podcast. Oh my God. Okay, uh, Megan Rapino. Can I say lethal? Is that allowed? <laughs> PK, I'm gonna say PK. We're talking about the 2019 final. There you go, PK. Yes, steely. Yeah, steely, cold-blooded, like in a good way. Oh, you know? I loved it. Crystal Dunn. Buzzy B. And finally, Rose Lavelle. Ooh. Silky. That was a good one. Look at that. Mm, pulled it out. Wow. Nice. And I'm not a words person, but that was a good one. Oh, you are. I'm really not. I'm really not. No, you are. You think you're not. I know. Look, I have massive respect for you. I have massive respect for the team. Whenever I've had experience with any interaction with you guys, it's been so much fun, super down to earth. I'm good. And, you know, it, it warms my heart that you're all out there succeeding. So, Thank you on behalf of the fans and uh, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to Tokyo 2020. So here's hoping we see you there. Let's catch up after when I have another gold medal. Olympic Channel Podcast. You know what? A massive thank you to Kelly. I put a link in the show notes about her podcast Another recommendation for you as well, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to English footballer Anita Asante, and she was great. Here's a clip. I think the worry was ahead of COVID and during COVID that women's football would be negatively affected in a a vast way. But I think it's been a chance also to allow organisations like the FA, Premier League and maybe other organisations within football to really reassess the structure of the game and, and money and competitions and competition money as well and things like that and and try to look at the disparities and where they can start maybe boost it up a little bit in one area and, and you know, level it out in others. Um, but at, le- at least it's definitely posed a lot of questions in general about the economy of the game as a whole, you know, regardless, women and men's. I've chucked a link in the notes for that one too, but you could always just scroll back in the feed. That would work. Big thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay stronger together, and we'll see you very soon. Think. Think.
like an Olympian. Olympian.